If you have your Bibles, go ahead and find your way to that passage that, that Lacey read for us in Matthew 28. And as we, we continue, um, I say it each week, we're just kind of reminding you if you've kind of been in and out as summer causes life to happen, that, that this summer we've been going through this series called Truth Shaped, and, and our aim in that series is to, to understand who we are because the truth that we've been given by God and how it shapes our lives, and then ultimately how it shapes our lives is how it shapes the church, and then how we then go into culture, go into the world for Christ as stewards and ambassadors for him. And so we look at this idea of being truth-shaped, and we've been taking each week just another idea of that, and today we're looking at this idea of truth-shaped churches, and just this idea of if the whole, everything that we are as far as our individual identity is shaped by the truth, then, then the church should be as well. That there shouldn't be a disconnect between the church and the people within the church. And, and sometimes there is in how we do that. And so we wanted to look today at what, what is actually a truth-shaped church. What does a truth-shaped church look like? What do they do? What, what, are we, what are we called to do in that? And that's why we look at that passage there, there in Matthew. And you, you might have you've might have read that before. It's, a, you know, it's the Great Commission in, in where Christ, at the, he's resurrected, he's about to go, and he says, this is what you're going to do now. He gives the disciples, the 11 at that point, because they haven't um, replaced Judas, and he, he's, he gives them, this is what you're going to do. And the Lord, and the, the sovereign Lord of all, the King of kings, and here's what you're going to do. And it's because of that authority, that's why we read that whole passage. We're going to focus on the last two verses for the most part today, but that's why we read in there that, that in verse 18, that all authority in heaven and earth has been given to him. And so when he sends us, he sends us with that authority. And so it's critical to understand that, that we go with the authority of the king. That it's not this, this idea that we just randomly go. We, we go on a mission because we have the authority of the one that sent it. And you see that throughout history as the messengers and everyone, the, the authority, the, the messenger was established not in who they were, but who they were sending the message for. And so if the messenger of the king shows up, then everyone kind of pays a little more attention. And that's exactly what we're called to do here. And so as truth-shaped churches, and, and we see this commissioning, what, what is Christ telling us to do? What do we see in his word of truth here that he's telling us to do? And the first thing that we see as a truth-shaped church is that we're going to be missional. And what we mean by missional, what I mean by missional is that, that we're going to live our life to point to the glory of Christ. That, that everything that we do, we're going to live on mission, that mission being to bring fame and glory to make known the name of Christ above all names. And so everything we do then is shaped by that. As a church, we're doing that. And there's two main ways we see in this verse, specifically verse 19. If you look at it again, I'll read the first way. This is the first mark of being a missional church. In verse 19, he says, go therefore. Just those first two words are a huge part of this. That, that if we're going to be a church that's shaped by the truth, we're going to be a church that goes. It says, go therefore. It's not this commissioning. It's not this calling just to stay where you are. It's an advancement. We're, we're to go. Why? Because we have the authority of the king. We're to go and make disciples. We're to go. Therefore, Go. It's, and we've somehow forgotten that. A lot of that's because here in the United States, we're kind of comfortable. 
We don't, we don't have, we like to talk about persecution, but we really haven't seen persecution. Like hardship isn't persecution. And so we, we kind of get comfortable and we forget that the first part of being a missional church is that we actually go somewhere. We do something, we spread out. It's not just a stagnant call, we're commanded to go. Go therefore, so where do we go? Where, where do we go? And if you keep reading, you get that. To, we're called there, go therefore and then make disciples where? Of all nations. It's really interesting there, and we see this idea of all nations, because what happens there is Christ is now including everyone outside the Jewish people. At, at first, and you see that throughout the New Testament. Paul, in Ephesians, there's this huge disconnect between the Jews and the Gentiles. And so when we look at this, we're going to be a church on mission. We're going to see that we're going to go where? To everyone. This is good news primarily for us, because that everyone includes us. Outside of all nations, we're outside of that. Because contrary to what a lot of people say, is Christianity is not an American-made thing. We're recipients of the go therefore to all nations. It eventually got to us. Because we've been commissioned to go. We take the gospel to all people. That's what Paul says in Romans 1. In Romans 1.16, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of salvation, power of God in salvation for all people, first the Jews and then to the Gentiles. So we're going to go only when we're not ashamed of the gospel, and we're going to go to all those people, to everyone. And that doesn't mean that we should all get up right now and we're all hitting the flight and, and going. But our mindset should be this idea that we're, we're going. We're moving forward. We're called. We're commissioned to go. And it's a command that can't be ignored. It's not just this idea. When it comes, you don't tell the king, I'll get at that later, Right? Like if, if someone walks up and they're, they're in authority and they're the king of everything and they're like, hey, I need you to go over here, you don't say, well, maybe when I'm comfortable. You just do it, right? But with how many times do we take that, that attitude in the church that he tells us to go, but maybe he's meaning the other church. Maybe he's meaning those other people. They're, they're a little more equipped. And while there's other people that are so gifted at going and relating to people, it doesn't exclude those of us that might find it harder. We're still all called to go. And as a church that's shaped by the truth, we're going to go. So we're going to go to all nations, but, but what are we going to do there? Is it, isn't that what you want to know? Okay, I'll go over there. Now what am I going to have to do? You've got to know what you're going to do in order to actually accomplish it. And that's, you get this idea in, in Acts 1-8. If we kind of con connect Matthew 28 and then we go into Acts 1 where the church is just starting and Jesus is talking to the disciples. They're like, okay, are you gonna, are you gonna make it happen now? Are you gonna set your kingdom now? And he tells them that the time's not for you. And then in Acts 1-8 he says, but you'll, receive, you'll, you'll have power when you receive the Holy Spirit and you'll be my witnesses. It says, you'll be my witnesses, and then he gives these, if you look at it, I'll just read it for you real quick, because he gives us a region. Acts 1.8, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And so what we see in that is that we're going to go to all nations. He includes it there again in 1.8. It's, it's Jerusalem, so right where they are, then Judea a little further out, and then Samaria, and then all the world. So it just keeps radiating out. It's like when you see a, a, a drop of water hit a, a, a smooth, calm pool. What's it do? It just circles and goes out. That's exactly what we're called to do here. We're called to what, though? Just be witnesses. There's not this magical thing that we have to accomplish. We have to be witnesses of what's happened in our life through the power of the gospel, submitting to Christ, and that's when it matters. In, in, 
And if you look at eyewitness stuff, we've talked about this before, that, that it's really not reliable, is it? And you've seen the people on the news. It's like they find the most backwards talking, can't really speak well person. They put them on the news, and you're like, there's no way they knew what was going on. It's like, did they, were they even witness, or are they just making up events that happen, right? Do you ever think that when you watch the news? You're like, are you serious? And so then we look at this, though, and we're called to be witnesses. Well, is that what the outside world sees us? Do, do they see Christians at those awkward people that don't really speak the same language because we talk about all this theology and stuff like that? Do they not even understand us? But what happens is we're not witnesses of something that we've seen. We're witnesses of something that we've experienced. And when you've actually experienced, when you've felt that in your life, your witness is credible because then it's a, a personal thing. We're not just looking at something we've observed. We're telling something that's happened in our life. And the people that it happens to have a far better recollection and they're far more passionate about what's happened. That's when we can see that we're going to be witnesses. And if you look again at the first part of that verse in Acts, it's not with our power anyways. So you're going to receive power when you get the Holy Spirit and then you're going to be my witnesses. He doesn't say, go be my witnesses, go do all these things and then I'll give you my Holy Spirit. He says, no, I know you can't do that. But you're going to receive power when you see the Holy Spirit and then you're going to be my witnesses. And that's exactly what happens in the first of Acts. Is all of a sudden then Peter preaches this amazing sermon. He goes from running away, fleeing out of fear, to preaching one of the best sermons that's ever been preached. Why? Because of the power of the Spirit in his life, and he was a witness to what he saw. Now everything made sense. Everything he'd experienced living with Christ, now all of a sudden made Peter this amazing witness to what's happening, and we have the same calling. As a church, we're to, to go because we've been commissioned by the king. And we do that as witnesses to all nations. That's why the church should be the most diverse place. Because it doesn't matter who you are. In Christ, we're all one. We're sons and daughters. We've been adopted into the family. But we also see that there's another part. There's another part. It's not just going. There's, there's a part. There's an actual second part of being missional. And that's if you keep reading. You see it really in the verse part of 19. It says, go therefore and then what? Make disciples. So there's part of being missional is to make disciples. We want to make disciples. And then he keeps going, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so what we see throughout this calling is that we're not called just to go simply for no reason. There's a purpose in our going. We're to go as witnesses. Why? So that we can make disciples. So part of being a missional church is being a church that makes disciples. We're not just going to go aimlessly and do everything. We're going to go make disciples. And I've used this quote a couple weeks ago. It's about Pastor Mark Dever that is in um, Washington, D.C. And he says, discipleship is me following Jesus. Discipling is me helping someone else follow Jesus. And so we, that's this idea there is that discipleship, what we talk about in the church all the time, discipleship, discipleship, we want to teach people, it's actually what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to do that, but we have to do that through modeling it, not just telling people what to do. And that's where we see the disconnection in the church these days, especially here in our culture, is that we, we try to rant and rail at people and say, this is how you're supposed to do, but our whole self, we don't do it ourselves. And people aren't going to follow someone that doesn't believe it themselves. Right? We should quit being surprised when we try to get people to obey something that we're not willing to obey ourselves. Right? You can't, you, it doesn't work that way. We can't say you're supposed to live a certain way all the while not living that way. 
It's not going to work. But what do we do? We expect people to do that. We get, we get mad at our culture that's becoming more and more secularized, and we don't realize that it's happening in our very lives as well. We have to make disciples. We have to do that through modeling how to do that. If we're not following Jesus, no one else is going to. Why would I wake up early on Sunday morning when it doesn't affect the way that your life changed? Why should I do that? That's my one day to sleep in, right? We have to be willing to model that. That's the other. We're going to go, but we're also to model. And then that modeling, we make disciples by teaching them, by us following Christ and then helping others follow Christ. We have to model what to do. We have to show people. Because if we don't, really two things happen if we're not going to model that. One, on one side you have people and you have churches then that aren't shaped by the truth that just become idle. They just they don't do anything. They're like, okay, well, Christ saved me. That's great. I didn't have to do anything. I was dead in my trespasses and sin. I'm alive in Christ. That's great. If he wants to save people, he's going to, right? Did you ever, did you ever hear that growing up, that if, if God wants it to happen, it's going to happen? And a lot of times the people that say that are the ones that are sitting there doing nothing. So they just sit there and become idle. We're not going to do anything. Why? Because he's in charge. He's the king of kings. He's the sovereign Lord of all. So if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. But they've forgotten that we've been commissioned to go and actually do the work. It's going to happen, but it's going to happen through the effort of the church that's shaped by the truth because we've been commissioned by the king. But then what happens also is you get these churches that are idle, that aren't really shaped by the truth, but you also see churches on the other side that, that try to understand that, and instead of inaction, they have the wrong action. Now all of a sudden, it's, it becomes political. It's like, well, wait a second. If, if we want to take our culture back, we don't use it by the power of the gospel. We use it by the power of the vote. Let's vote in the best Christian person we can in office. And, and by doing that, we think that the government's going to save us instead of Christ. We're not called to be idle, but we're not called to be political. We're called to be shaped by the truth that tells us in the gospel there's one way, and that's in Christ. So if we're going to be missional, we're going to have to go, but we're also going to make disciples, not, not through our effort, but through submitting to Christ and understanding that in our lives. And that leads us to the next mark, if you will, or the next description of a truth-shaped church is their doctrinal. Because if we're going to make disciples and we're going to show people what to do, and we're going to teach them. What do we teach them? What, what do we teach them? Right? And that's where we get doctrinal. I know it's this kind of crazy word you might hear, and you're like, what in the world is that? But doc, just simply doctrine is a set, a set of beliefs. So if we're going to have a truth-shaped church, we're going to be doctrinal, meaning that we know what we believe. We know what we believe and why we believe it. And that's the next part of the Great Commission, if you look at it, in, in verse 20. We're going to make disciples. We're going to baptize them. Then Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the verse 20 says what? Teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. That teaching them to observe is this act of being doctrinal because we understand what we believe. If we're going to teach all the things that he's commanded us, then we're going to have to know what we believe. Otherwise, it's just crazy. And it changes with time. But we've got to remember, we're standing on 2,000 years of church history that's affirmed doctrine, that's shaped by the truth, and then we need to continue to do the same. We have to understand what we believe. If we're going to be missional in the sense of going to the nations, making disciples, then we're going to have to be doctrinal as well, or it's just going to be chaotic, and it's going to fail. We have to know what we believe, and that doesn't mean that we use our doctrine as a way to say we're better than other people. 
It's not that. It's to say that this is the truth that we have, and we're going to stand on that. Why are we going to stand on that? Because we believe that the Word of God is the inerrant Word, and it affirms nothing that's contrary to fact. And so we stand on that. We stand on that. There's an author, his name's Kyle uh, Edelman, and in, in his book, it's called Not a Fan, and then there's a big, long subtitle. But in that, one, of the, one of the points in that book he makes is that what you win people with is what you win people to. And so as a church, what he's talking about is that what you get people through the door with is what you're going to keep them with. Well, that's what they come for. So if it's for programs and all this other stuff, that's all they want. And as soon as they don't get satisfied in that, then they're going to find something else. And so we don't want to end up that way, but what we want to do is understand that that's that is so true, right? Think about it in your life. You go to certain places because of what they offer you. And so we want to be a church that offers an opportunity to serve the King of Kings, that submits our life. Why? Because this is what we believe, and we're going to stand on that. And we're going to affirm what Scripture affirms, and we're going to be okay with it. If people don't agree with that, that's fine, but we're not going to change just to gain someone. We're going to submit to the one that matters. And we're going to teach that because the gospel gathers people. Nowhere else do you find a message that it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter your background, what you've done before. It doesn't matter where you were raised. It doesn't matter what ethnicity, what economic class that you are. There's no other message but the gospel that says you're all welcome because you're all just equally as screwed up. Yet there's Christ. There's nowhere else that you find that. And we're going to stand on that belief. But when we start picking and choosing what to believe, then there's gaps in our defense. And then all of a sudden people happen. So we're, we want to teach based on Scripture alone. We want to teach based on Scripture alone. So that's where part of your job to check with me and the leadership of the church is if we're teaching something contrary to truth, then we need to know. All right, well, wait a second. You said this. Does that actually, we want to be doctrine. We want to understand our beliefs. That's why we go, then, you know, you go to 2 Timothy, that all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful. That's what we want to set our lives on. We want to be a truth-shaped church because we're doctrinal and understanding that if we're going to accomplish what we've been commanded to do, what we've been commissioned to do by Christ, to teach them all that he commanded, then we're going to have to know them all. We have to understand them all. We're going to have to believe them all, and that happens only when we're shaped by the truth. And then there's two things real quick I want to point out in that. Verse 20. If you read it again, when it says, teaching them what? To observe... All. To observe all. That's a, it's a key word there. It's not observe some. And that's, what ha- that's, that's basically, to me, this might be a generalization, uh, generalization, but what I see in culture and, and then the problem with the church is that they see us picking and choosing what things to follow. We're not teaching them to observe all. We're teaching them to do the comfort one. Right? And the, the easiest way is marriage. We're so freaked out by what the Supreme Court says, yet we don't rail anything about adultery and cohabitation within the church. Culture doesn't understand that. How can you say that the Supreme Court can't define marriage when you're not even defining it yourself the way Scripture does? We can't pick and choose. We have to observe all. And it's not comfortable. And those aren't easy conversations. But just like talking about giving last week, is Christ worth it? Is, is Christ worth standing on what he said? Because if he is, then you'll have those conversations. If he is, you'll stand on that despite culture. You'll not associate with certain people in certain conversations because of what happens, but you're going to stand on the truth. Not in a way to say you're better, but in a way to say that there is another way, and it's through Christ alone. And this is what's happened in my life. 
Now, only when you do that will people take you serious. It's the inconsistencies that people don't understand about Christianity. If it was one solid form thing, you're going to accept all people. Why? Because the gospel, they might not agree with it, but there's nothing they can do to argue with it. And then that's when we understand that it's not about it. We're not saving people. So if we're going to stand on doctrine and we're going to understand that, we're going to go and make disciples, we're going to realize that it's not through our power that we were saved, so it's not through our power that they are. We're going to stand on the truth of Scripture, and we're going to go, we're going to make disciples, we're going to show people how we follow Christ, we're going to try to bring them along with us, and then we submit to the sovereignty of God, understanding that, that we were dead in our trespasses and sin, yet made alive in Christ, and so those that are outside, still dead in their trespasses and sin, can be made alive in Christ as well. And it's through the power of the Spirit. And then ultimately, we do that by reproducing ourselves, And that's, that's part of why I showed you the video earlier. It was less about Acts 29 and more about what the video content said, even though we're part of that, churches planting churches, that, that life finds a way. I hate that I always go back to movies, and you might hate that too, that you always hear me talking about movies. When I was looking through this, and I was thinking, man, what's a, a, a life always happens, right? And I thought, oh, that sounds just like Jurassic Park. The original one, right? He said, oh, all the dinosaurs were all female. And what does Jeff Goldblum's character say? Well, life finds a way, right? Life finds a way, and then everything bad happens, right? You, you know what's going to happen, and then they do, what, four movies now, that the exact same thing happens, right? I mean, that's, there you get one plot, you get them all, but we still go watch them. But that's what the church should do. We should find a way to reproduce ourselves in every context, because if we're called to go and we're called to be missional in that as a church, we're called to be doctrinal. The only place that that's going to uphold is to plant churches that have the same beliefs. Because the church itself is what shows that there's something different. It's a community of like-minded people based on the gospel alone. And it's like, why do you gather together? Because of the gospel. And then the church alone then can be in that context and can say, here's, here's what the culture maybe upholds higher than the gospel, or here's a, a functional idol of that culture, and a local church is going to be exposed to that, but we don't see that. It's like we talked last week how we want to start supporting the, the church in, in Germany. We can go there all we want to, and, they, and most of them speak English, but we don't know what that culture holds higher than the gospel because we don't live there. So what are we going to do? We're going to try to help support a plant, church, that... that understands doctrine, that's missional, that's believing the same things we do, so that in that, that culture then can be exposed to the gospel, and the gospel can change. It's not the church that changes, it's a church based on the gospel that changes. And so we want to be a church that plants churches. We're going to reproduce ourselves. We want to do that. Eventually, I pray that, that we will have someone from within our body raised up, trained, sent out to plant a church. Until that happens, we're going to support people that are already doing that. Because Jesus called us to build his church. Remember, that's what he told Peter, right? On this rock, I'm going to build what? My church. He didn't say on this rock, I'm going to just kind of start something, just go out and do your own thing. He says, no, I'm going to build the church. And so the church hasn't lost its ability to affect the culture, so the people within the church have lost the ability to submit only to the gospel and allow him to do that. The local church is the most effective way of identifying the idols of the culture. And the only way that you're going to break through those idols is with the gospel. And the only way to do that is to be missional in how we live our lives, how the church focuses and to understand what we believe 
Because then there's going to be a solid front moving forward. And that that's, doesn't mean that it's easy. It's difficult. It's, it's increasingly difficult. But what we need to see is the gospel being echoed into a culture through the church. It's not, we're not called to be individuals all the time. We live our lives and then we gather together. Why? To worship. And that's the best thing. The, the, worshiping as a body should be the most exciting thing that we do as a church. As we gather here to worship and sing praises to the one who saved us. And we're going to stand on those beliefs. That's why, we, that's why we sung the song, this I believe. That's based on the Apostles' Creed. That these are the things that we believe. We're going to affirm them. And then we worship through that. It's not just this stagnant thing that we believe, all this stuff. That, that belief leads us to worship. Why? Because it points us to the gospel. It points us to the gospel. We want to reproduce ourselves because we know how the church has changed us. But see, and here's the switch. If you always, you always feel like in, in culture these days that people are trying to sell you on something, right? And it's like, oh, there's always going to be a switch at the end. Like it's the old bait and switch thing. Like, oh, well, here's the catch. Well, the catch to all this, if we're going to be a truth-shaped church, we have to be truth-shaped people. See, this, this, we look at this and we see this great commission. We see what God and Jesus is telling us to do. If we're not doing it in our daily lives, the church isn't going to do it. I can't lead Watershed to be a gospel-centered church if the people within it aren't gospel-centered. It's a body. Everyone is different, and it all comes together. And so if we don't do it in our daily lives, the church isn't going to do it. And that's what we need to understand. If there's a problem with the church, there's a problem with the people, not the one that the church is founded on. Not the one, because we're, we're just shepherds of what he's given us. So if you, if you need a takeaway, if you need application on this, it's to go back and see, are you willing to go and be missional in your life? We naturally, we naturally send people out here, right? People are gone all the time. So are they going to go and willingly find a place? Or are they just kind of going to disappear and fade out? Because the church is not our Savior. Christ is, but it's based on that. So, are you shaped by the truth in your life? Because if you are, then the church is going to be, by default, because we're a body of people. And if people are that way, then everyone is, right? So that's, what, that's my prayer for us as a church, that as we grow and we see all these amazing things that God's doing, that, that people don't understand, that we don't understand, is that we're going to be shaped by the gospel truth more and more and more so that people can see what's happening so that when they ask, we can say, no, it's because of him. That we can point to him beyond anything else. That we want to live our lives for the fame of Jesus, for the glory of Jesus, because that's the only thing that matters. It doesn't matter what we do here if it's short of bringing glory to him. So we go as a church we go as individuals. We model how to live that life because it's based on the truth that we've been given. And it doesn't matter what culture says. We, we base our lives on the truth of Scripture. And then, and only then, will the gospel begin to advance in our lives as we go out every day. And then, glory will be given to God alone because then people understand that there's nothing that I did to deserve this. Yet, God sent his son.
And that's why we praise him. That's why we live our lives the way we do, is to make him known among all nations so that his kingdom is advanced, that his fame is advanced, not our own. Let's pray.